to the Denver Snuffer Podcast. This is part two of a special series on the much-anticipated and much-prophesied return of Zion. So let's go back to Joel in the uh, second chapter and begin at the 28th verse and look at that. This is what has not yet been fulfilled, but is soon to come. And it came to pass, and it shall come to pass afterward, beginning at verse 28 of chapter 2 of Joel, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. As the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Now, one of the um, things that we perhaps take for granted, but we, we have to give credit to Joseph Smith for doing, is distinguishing between all of these references to Jerusalem and these references to Zion. Until Joseph spoke, it was assumed that that was the same thing. It's not. And we know that there will be Zion on the one hand, and we know that there will be Jerusalem, a gathering there, on the other hand. And we know that this prophecy concerning your sons, your daughters, prophecy, dreams, visions, all all of this being poured out. This is something that is yet to happen, but it is soon to come to pass. We have a great deal to look forward to that the angel Moroni instructing Joseph Smith covered with him on that night when he first appeared to him, promising that these things were going to come to pass and they still have not yet come in. Think about all the ways that there are to err in the warnings that are given in section 121 of the Doctrine and Covenants concerning uh, priesthood. It can be conferred upon us, it's true, but when we undertake to cover our sins or gratify our pride, our vain ambition, or to exercise control or dominion or compulsion upon the souls of the children of men in any degree of unrighteousness. And by the way, any degree of unrighteousness, it tells you in verse 41 how power or influence is to be affected. And it is not by virtue of the priesthood. It is only by persuasion, long-suffering, gentleness, and meekness, and by love unfeigned, by, pure, by kindness and pure knowledge, which shall greatly enlarge the soul without hypocrisy. This, this presents an opportunity for everyone, every time, to fail. In addition to all of this, if you go to um, 2 Nephi, chapter 26, at verse 20, 29, he commandeth there shall be no priestcrafts, for behold, priestcrafts are that men preach and set themselves up for a light into the world, that they may get gain and praise of the world, but they seek not the welfare of Zion. Zion can only come about as a consequence of 
consecration and sacrifice and not as a result of seeking to get gain. In fact, when you're in the employ of the Lord, you ought to be sacrificing. It shouldn't be gainful. It should cost you in order to serve. To accomplish purity, there are absolutes that are necessary. Sacrifice is absolutely necessary, and equality is necessary as well. Or at least there be no poor among us. My guess is that among us sitting in this room here today, there are those who have significant issues with uh, financial needs. And there are some sitting here today who could help in solving those. In Alma chapter 1, it, it talks about a circumstance in which um, the priests served. Alma 1, beginning at verse 26. And when the priests left their labor to impart the word of God unto the people, the people also left their labors to hear the word of God. And when the priest had imparted unto them the word of God, they all returned again diligently unto their labors. And the priest, not esteeming himself above his hearers, for the preacher was no better than the hearer, neither was the teacher any better than the learner. And thus they were all equal, and they did labor, every man according to his strength. And they did impart of their substance every man according to that which he had, to the poor and the needy and the sick and the afflicted. And they did not wear costly apparel, yea, they were neat and com- yet they were neat and comely. You see, they prospered in this, and they were blessed because of it. We should learn from their example when they were prospering about what it was that they did that was right, that brought it about. The ideal is not to have a professional class of clergymen. The ideal is to have every one of us be equal. There has to be an opening that occurs in order to prepare the way. The opening at this end is going to be handled by someone who has remained behind And the opening at the far end is going to be the one to whom the assignment was given to open the way for his return, Elijah, the one who was promised. Now, I want to be really clear. I don't expect either of those individuals to have any public ministry again. They have a role in Zion. And those who dwell in Zion are going to have some contact with them. The three Nephites are a great example. They, like John, were given a similar ministry to remain around and to minister until the end of the earth. And they did minister. Two of the people to whom they ministered were Mormon and Moroni. They, like ministering angels, ministered to Mormon, who in turn ministered to the public. They ministered to Moroni, and kept his hope up in the waning days of that dispensation, but they did not minister publicly. John will have a role, but the work of Zion is the work of flesh and blood. Men have to extend the invitation for God to return so that men who extend that invitation are worthy of his return, and the Lord can safely come without utterly destroying all who are upon the earth. Therefore, you need Zion, among other reasons, 
in order for there to be a place and a people to whom the Lord can safely return without utterly destroying the earth that is coming. However small, however diminutive it may be, there needs to be a Zion that extends the invitation for the Lord to return. Now, the good news is that Zion will be preserved. And the even better news is that all of those good people of the earth who live in ignorance, but who would have accepted the truth that were brought to them, they will be preserved also. There will be a mission field into the millennium. But the really, really bad news is in the laundry list of those whom the Lord intends to destroy at his coming, that is the description of those who are telestial and therefore cannot endure his presence when he shall come. All of the liars, all of the whoremongers, all of the people who have taken our Lord's name in vain, having not authority, all of those who have preached for hire and practiced priestcraft, one of the reasons it needs to be eradicated before you get to Zion is so you're not um, ignited like a torch head to the amusement of everyone else that is in Zion. (laughs) There has to be an end of all that nonsense. Our Lord was and is meek when he said, I am more intelligent than them all. When he said, I am the greatest of all, there wasn't one whit of arrogance in his announcement of that. What he was saying is, please have confidence in me. Please trust what I say to be true. Please recognize I've paid a price in order to be able to minister. You needn't respect the messenger, but you must respect the message because salvation is limited in every generation to those who are authorized to preach repentance and to baptize. And if they're not authorized, then it is powerlessness. However good it may make you feel, it is powerlessness. Moses chapter 7. This is the Lord speaking to Enoch in a vision recorded subsequently by Moses by revelation, but it is a restoration of the book of Enoch and the conversation of the speaker is the Lord, beginning in Moses chapter 7, verse 60. And the Lord said unto Enoch, as I live, even so will I come in the last days in the days of wickedness and vengeance to fulfill the oath which I have made unto you concerning the children of Noah. This is the Lord's oath to Enoch. He's going to come. He's going to come in the last days. And the day shall come that the earth shall rest. But before that day, the heavens shall be darkened and a veil of darkness shall cover the earth and the heavens shall shake and the earth and also the earth and great tribulation shall be had among the children of men. But my people will I preserve. And righteousness, 
will I send down out of heaven, and truth will I send forth out of the earth to bear testimony of mine only begotten, his resurrection from the dead, and also the resurrection of all men. And righteousness and truth will I cause to sweep the earth as with a flood. A thing that is possible now by you sitting at a keyboard anywhere in the world. You can cause the truth to flood the earth. To gather out mine elect from the four quarters of the earth unto a place which I shall prepare, and holy city, that my people may gird up their loins and be looking forth for the time of my coming. For there shall be my tabernacle. In this context, the tabernacle to be built is his house. And it shall be called Zion, a new Jerusalem. And the Lord said unto Enoch, Then shall thou and all thy city meet them there. And we will receive them into our bosom. And they shall see us, and we will fall upon their necks, and they shall fall upon our necks, and we will kiss each other. This is the second return of Enoch as well. First his house, then Enoch, and there shall be mine abode, and it shall be Zion, which shall come forth out of all the creations which I have made. And for the space of a thousand years, the earth shall rest. And it came to pass that Enoch saw the day of the coming of the Son of Man in the last days to dwell on the earth in righteousness for the space of a thousand years. Zion exists before these things can happen. If Zion does not exist, these things will be delayed. They will not be prevented because the Lord has by a covenant ensured that they will happen. But the fact that the Lord has by a covenant ensured that it will happen is no guarantee that we will see it because we will only see it if we undertake to abide the conditions by which he can accomplish his work. This is the Joseph Smith translation of Genesis chapter 9. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant which I made unto thy father Enoch, yea, that when men should keep all my commandments, Zion should again come on the earth, the city of Enoch which I have caught up unto myself. And this is mine everlasting covenant, that when the, thy posterity shall embrace the truth and look upward, then shall Zion look downward, and all the heavens shall shake with gladness, and the earth shall tremble with joy. And the general assembly of the church of the firstborn shall come down out of heaven and possess the earth and shall have place until the end come. And this is mine everlasting covenant, which I made with thy father Enoch. The covenant that God made again with Noah. The covenant that he made originally with Adam the covenant which some generation will rise up to receive. Whether that's you or whether you go to the grave without realizing it or not is entirely up to you. Now, 
I need to read you something. This is Ezekiel beginning in chapter 33 at verse 25. Wherefore say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, ye eat with the blood and ye lift up your eyes toward your idols and shed blood and shall ye possess the land? You stand upon your sword, ye work abomination and ye defile everyone his neighbor's wife and shall ye possess the land? Say thou thus unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, As I live, surely they that are in the wastes shall fall by the sword, and him that is in the open field will I give to the beast to be devoured, and they that be in the forts and in the caves shall die of the pestilence, for I will lay the land most desolate. And the pomp of her strength shall cease, and the mountain of Israel shall be desolate, that none shall pass through. Then shall they know that I am the Lord." when I have laid the land most desolate because of all their abominations which they have committed. Also, thou, son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses and speaking one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear thy words, but they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. Then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy, say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be unto the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The diseased have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick. Neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away, neither have ye sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty ye have ruled them. And they were scattered because there is no shepherd. And they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth and none did search or seek after them. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my flock at their hand and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves anymore for I will deliver my flock from their mouth that they may not be meat for them. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. 
As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There shall they lie down in a good fold and in a fat pasture and they shall feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. And as for thou, O my flock, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will judge between cattle and cattle, between the rams and the he goats. Seemeth it a small thing unto you to have eaten up the good pasture, but you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pastures, and to have drunk from the deep waters, but you must foul the residue with your feet. And as for my flock, they eat that which you have trodden with your feet. They drink that which you have fouled with your feet. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God unto them, Behold, I, even I, will judge between the fat cattle and between the lean cattle, because you have thrust with the side and with the shoulder and pushed all the diseased with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. Therefore will I save my flock, and they shall no more be a prey. And I will judge between cattle and cattle, and I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David a prince among them. For I, the Lord, have spoken it. And I will make with them a covenant of peace and will cause the evil beasts to cease out of the land. And they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them the places round about my hill a blessing. And I will cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessings. And the tree of the field shall yield her fruit and the earth shall yield her increase. And they shall be safe in their land and shall know that I am the Lord. When I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them out of the hands of those that served themselves of them, and they shall no more be a prey to the heathen, neither shall the beast of the land devour them, but they shall dwell safely, and none shall make them afraid. And I will raise up for them a plant of renown, and they shall be no more consumed with hunger in the land, neither bear the shame of the heathen any more. Thus shall they know that I am the Lord their God, I'm with them, and that they, even the house of Israel, are my people, saith the Lord God. And ye, my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men, and I am your God, saith the Lord God. I was required to read that, but I am not required and therefore will not comment on that. So now we should realize, I hope, that that city which Melchizedek, the king of peace, was able to teach righteousness sufficiently so that it was taken up from the earth, reserved to the last days of the end of the world. The next time we have such an event on the earth, the next time there is this kind of gathering, 
and this kind of a population anywhere. It will not be for the purpose of going up. It will be for the purpose of permitting those who have gone up to come back down. It will be for the purpose of having those who can endure the presence of those who come, because those who come will burn up all those who are unworthy. And therefore, some few need to be gathered so that the earth is not utterly wasted at his coming. As it was in the days of Noah, so also shall it be at the time of the coming of the Son of Man. Um, how many people were required in order to have the ark be an acceptable place in which God could preserve all of humanity? It was a portable ark of the covenant in which a family was preserved. And so um, if it's going to be as it was in the days of Noah, there is this net that has been cast out to gather together all manner of fish. But as the Lord tells the parable, the angels are going to come and they're going to pick through all manner of fish and they're going to keep the good, and the rest are going to be scheduled for burning. And so the, the question is, how diligent ought the search be into the things of God? How carefully ought we to consider the things that have been restored to us through the prophet Joseph Smith? The fact is that um, this stuff is assigned to our dispensation, and I'm reading from the Book of Mormon, which the world does not have or accept. I'm reading from the Book of Abraham, which the world does not have or accept. I'm reading from the Joseph Smith translation, which the world does not have and accept. All of you have this information in front of you. All of this material has been restored through someone that we claim we honor and regard as a prophet. Well, they who come will burn up those who are unprepared. And therefore, what should we be doing in order to make sure that we are included among those who, who are prepared? Well, I want to look more into Enoch. So let's go back to the book of Abraham, excuse me, the book of Moses. Moses chapter 7, beginning at verse 16. The Lord said unto Enoch, as I live, this is covenant language. This is God swearing by his own life. This is God promising that if he lives, so shall this word live. If he's alive, he shall vindicate what he's about to say. As I live, even so will I come in the last days, in the days of wickedness and vengeance, to fulfill the oath which I have made unto you concerning the children of Noah. And the day shall come that the earth shall rest, but before that day the heavens shall be darkened, and a veil of darkness shall cover the earth, and the heavens shall shake, and also the earth, and great tribulation shall be among the children of men. But my people will I preserve, and righteousness will I send down out of heaven 
and truth will I send forth out of the earth to bear testimony of mine only begotten, his resurrection from the dead, and also the resurrection of all men. And righteousness and truth will I cause to sweep the earth as with a flood, to gather out mine elect from the four quarters of the earth, even into a place which I shall prepare, and holy city, that my people may gird up their loins and be looking forth for the time of my coming, for there shall be my tabernacle. And it shall be called Zion, a new Jerusalem. And the Lord said unto Enoch, Then shalt thou and all thy city meet them there. These are they who, when they come, will burn up those unprepared for their coming so that it leaves neither root nor branch. We will receive them into our bosom, and they shall see us, and we will fall upon their necks, and they shall fall upon our necks, and we will kiss each other, and there shall be mine abode. And it should be called Zion, which shall come forth out of all the creations which I have made. For the space of a thousand years the earth shall rest. And it came to pass that Enoch saw the day of the coming of the Son of Man in the last days to dwell on the earth in righteousness for the space of a thousand years. But before that day he saw great tribulations among the wicked. He also saw the seed that it was troubled and men's hearts failing them looking forth with fear for the judgments of the Almighty God, which shall come upon the wicked. This is the Lord describing to Enoch what would happen by way of covenant, the Lord swearing, as I live, even so will, and he tells him what's going to come to pass in the last days. This is among the promises that were made to one of the fathers, and this is one of the fathers, and these are the covenants whose time is now upon us. This is the day in which we need to be prepared so that those who went before and ascended up the ladder can return and fall upon your neck and kiss you, and you fall upon their neck and kiss them a sacred embrace through the veil, evidencing fellowship between you here and them there, the Lord promising and covenanting these things are going to happen. But notice, there has to be a tabernacle. He has to come and take up his abode. There has to be preparation made. These things require some effort to be made here in order to prepare for his return. If there is no one here who is willing to engage in what's necessary to bring this to pass, because everyone looks around and expects someone else to do it, then you're neglecting a duty that's devolving upon you as one of those who was assigned to come down in this day in order to honor the fathers and honor the Lord 
by allowing the covenants that have been made to be fulfilled. It's a good thing that we forfeit the power to make authoritative covenants from time to time. Because if we had everything that we claim we had, and if we lived under an obligation that God would honor, and if we chose to violate that, as will be the case when we have Zion, you cannot endure a terrestrial glory in a telestial state, lying and stealing and deceiving and adultery and whoremongering, all of the abominations that people prize in this generation, your lusts, your ambitions, your desires to lord it over one another, the common affliction of the Gentile, all of those things are a level below what Zion requires. And so if one happily strolls into Zion while profaning the conditions upon which it will be established, they subject themselves to the penalty of being where they should not be in a condition in which they cannot endure. The destruction that occurred at Christ's death on the Americas was the destruction of the wicked only. If you look at 3 Nephi chapter 10, verse 12, you find out that the more righteous were saved. <coughs> Those who live a telestial law will be destroyed. Turn to Doctrine and Covenants section 76. I want to begin at... Um, well, I may as well back up. I was going to begin a little later on. I want you to remember the chant, follow the prophet, follow the prophet, which we can drill in mindlessly to the youth with a drumbeat cadence that sounds rather like, ah, 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 ah. you know, follow the prophet, follow the prophet. You, you do that. Follow the brethren, follow the brethren. The glory of the telestial is one, even as the glory of the stars is one. For as one star differs from another star in glory, even so differs one from another in glory in the telestial world. For these are they who are of Paul and of Apollos and of Cephas. These are they who say they are some of one and some of another, some of Christ, some of John, some of Moses, some of Elias, some of Isaiah, some of Isaiah, and some of Enoch. But receive not the gospel, neither the testimony of Jesus neither the prophets, neither the everlasting covenant yet to be established. Last of all, and this is a general description of those who have celestial behavior, these are they who will not be gathered with the saints to be caught up under the church of the firstborn and received into the cloud. These are they who are liars and sorcerers and adulterers and whoremongers and whosoever loves and makes a lie. These are they who suffer the wrath of God on earth. These are they who suffer the vengeance of eternal fire. That is a broad description of those who cannot be in Zion. And notably, it begins with a list of those who follow the prophets. Almost as if the Lord in the revelation of Joseph Smith anticipated your day 
and warned you, do not go thither. Do not partake of that. Receive the testimony of Jesus. Prepare when he offers the everlasting covenant. Do that. To the extent that a church or an organization worships or trusts a man in lieu of Christ, it will lead you to celestial destruction. It will not, those who believe in it, will not survive the destruction of the wicked that precedes the Lord's return. The purpose of the temple is not merely to inspire you with the conviction that it is possible to rend the veil, to pass through the veil, to see and meet with our Lord, who has promised us repeatedly. The the stories in the Book of Mormon are stories designed to tell you over and over and over again about coming back into the presence of the Lord. Even wicked Lamanite converts. Many of them have what we in our scholarly language would call a throne theophany. And they did so upon conversion because their conversion was with real intent. Therefore, the Book of Mormon is a text about the second comforter. But what is being talked about in this verse in Moses chapter 6 is about dwelling in his presence. And when it comes in verse, again, this is Moses 6 verse 57. It says, when it comes to dwelling there, no one unclean thing can dwell there because he's the man of holiness. This presents the real message or the real meaning of what the temple is trying to convey to us in our day. And we're just about running out of time to accomplish that in our day. And if we don't, then, you know, he passes on and maybe starts this up with another people in another day, as he's so often done before. To come to the veil and to meet with the Savior, he can clean you up. He, through his grace, can give you all that you lack. To dwell in the presence of God requires something more, something different. It requires that you grow from where you are now to the place where the Lord intends to leave you. He intends to have you be true and faithful in all things. Because in the ceremony of the temple, once you go through the veil, you don't come back. You stay there. And the purpose of going there in this day, in this setting, is to enable the return of Zion. We don't need a profoundly um, new and far-reaching economic system to make us have all things in common 
in order to bring again Zion. And we don't need possession of the real estate in Jackson County, Missouri to bring again Zion. We don't need any of the implements or locations or infrastructure to have Zion return. We need one thing, and that's you. You to be clean. You to be holy. To leave behind you not only the door, but the house in which you dwell, that you establish that door to bar him through. You need to come and live with him. It is possible. These are not cunningly devised fables, as the Apostle Paul put it. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at the definition that the Lord gives of salvation in um, Ether chapter 3. This is a definition that the Lord gives. Behold, the Lord showed himself unto him and said, Because thou knowest these things, you are redeemed from the fall. Therefore, you are brought back into my presence. Therefore, I show myself unto you. This is the meaning of salvation. This is the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is contained in the Book of Mormon, which has the fullness of Jesus Christ in it. The Lord showed himself unto him and said, Because thou knowest these things, ye are redeemed from the fall. Therefore, you're brought back into my presence. Therefore, I show myself unto you. The, the character and the nature of God is probably better understood by what we have in the Book of Mormon. And, and it is perfectly consistent with the, the testimony of the gospel writers who knew Christ in mortality. And if you, you take what we've got in a fairly battered New Testament record and the Book of Mormon together, and what happened in the life of Joseph Smith, and you weave them all together, you begin to understand that, that God is a very patient, loving, kindly being, and that the mysteries of God largely consist in developing the, the, the attributes of godliness in us. The things that matter the most are the things that make us more like him, better people, more kindly. You want, to, um, you want to know more of the mysteries of God, serve your fellow man and be of more value to them. In the process of blessing the lives of others, you find out that you know more of the character of God as a consequence of that. Let me end by... Um, bearing testimony that God really is up to a work right now. 
And the work that is underway can culminate in Zion. Covenants were made, promises were given. God has an obligation to the covenant fathers that he will vindicate. God's words will be fulfilled, all of them. None of them are going to fall to the ground unfulfilled. The question is not, will God bring about the culmination of all his purposes? The question is, are we willing to cooperate with him to bring those purposes to pass in our day? It could, the, the offer that God makes, this appears in scripture nearly as often as, um, as the promise in Malachi. God says, how oft would I have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and ye would not? Could God have brought about his purposes and vindicated his promises in the days of Moses? Could he have done what he had promised to do when Christ was here on the earth, could he have done it in the days of Peter? Could he have done it in the days of Joseph Smith? The, the question is never whether God will vindicate his promises. The question is, will there ever come a people who will respond to the Lord's willingness to gather them as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and be gathered and be content with being gathered and being at peace with one another. We have that opportunity, but so many generations before us have had the same opportunity and they would not. The question isn't whether God is going to do it or whether God is willing to do it now. The question is, are we willing to cooperate with him in that process to do our part? We get really petty with one another, and we shouldn't be. We ought to value one another so highly that we'll do anything we can to support one another and to assist in bringing about the purposes of God. At the end of the day, obedience to God is simply blessing one another by the way we conduct ourselves. I like the Lamanite king's prayer. I will give away all my sins to know you. We tend not to be willing to give away our sins. We want to harbor them and cultivate them and celebrate them. We ought to be more, we ought to love God more and our sins less. God can fulfill his promises in our day before we leave this 
stage of the action, it can happen. Whether it happens or not is up to us and how interested we are in doing as he bids us. Of that, I bear testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The foregoing are excerpts taken from Denver's 40 Years in Mormonism series, talk number 10, entitled Preserving the Restoration, given in Mesa, Arizona on September 9, 2014. His talk entitled Zion Will Come, given near Moab, Utah, on April 10, 2016. Denver's 40 Years in Mormonism series, talk number 2, entitled Faith, given in Idaho Falls, Idaho, on September 28, 2013. Denver's 40 Years in Mormonism series, talk number 6, entitled Zion, given in Grand Junction, Colorado, on April 12, 2014. Denver's 40 Years in Mormonism series, talk number 4, entitled Covenants, given in Centerville, Utah, on October 6, 2013. A fireside talk on the temple, given in Ogden, Utah, on October 28, 2012. And Denver's remarks entitled, Book of Mormon as Covenant, given at the Book of Mormon Covenant Conference in Columbia, South Carolina, on January 13, 2019. For more information about upcoming Christian fellowship conferences, meetings, and events, please visit restorationarchives.com. There, you will also find a complete selection of Denver's talks, lectures, and papers available to download free of charge. You can request baptism by visiting bornofwater.org. If you have questions or ideas for topics that you would like to have covered in this podcast, please submit them for consideration to questions at denversnufferpodcast.com. This podcast is a volunteer effort produced under the direction of Denver Snuffer. We hope you'll share it with everyone interested in learning more about Christ, the coming Zion, and the restoration of authentic Christianity now underway in our time.